C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Ergie. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keith. And we are joined today in our first Skype interview. We've done Skype before, just Shay and I, or like Shay and I together and then the guest remotely. Yeah. But never. Well, no, actually, when we did Amy, it was she and I was were together and you were. Oh, yeah, that's apart. true. Yeah. But she was I kind of a have. surprise interview. So. Yeah, that was fun. Anyway, does not make our current guest any less special. No, it's great. This is more special. Yeah. So we're joined by Alana Rubin. Hi. Who is a dear friend of both of ours, but also a writer featured in Teen Vogue. You can hey. go through other places you've been featured. And. A super bachelor fan Woo. so thank you for being here of course thank you for having alana, me alana before we jump into our uh episode why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words so just again your name apparently we already know that um what year you were born and you know your elevator pitch about your life sure so yeah my name is alana rubin i am a writer i went to nyu with maddie we were in kappa kappa gamma together and Ooh, i've heard you out. mentioned it before so i'm not worried about dropping it now. oh yeah no we made sure like pr we're yeah. good <laughs> okay um i majored in journalism and art history i was born in 1993 um so i'm 23 years old almost 24 um what else i'm jewish um i am queer i identify as pansexual um so that's sexuality for you woo um, okay <laughs> about that later yeah um what else um i'm vegan um i like baking and napping <laughs> love it <laughs> Amazing. And yeah, I currently work for Hearst Digital Media, so that's the the elevator pitch for you. Awesome. Awesome. So, millennial moments. I can start. Unless okay, you start. Wants to. And I, I I'm prepared with several. Oh, great. Amazing. Shay's better at this than I am. <laughs> so, my millennial moment, Shay and I were texting about this earlier and she was like this should be your millennial moment, so I'm going to go with it. Um I got my parents really into Blue Apron. They love it. It's like their favorite thing. And, but my mom was like bitching to me on the phone because she was like, there's so much kale and my mom hates kale. And it's like, every recipe is very kale heavy. And she was like, how can I get less kale? And I was like, well, you can email them probably. But like, I get Blue Apron and it's like once a week there's kale. But they listen to the podcast while they cook together. And I was like, you guys are more millennial than I am. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. So that's so fun. That's my millennial moment. I love it. I love it. Um, so mine is, I I was really kind of struggling at first to come up with one, but then I did something that was like so trash baggy that I was like, oh man, this has to be my millennial moment. <laughs> so I was going out on this date last night with this guy I met on Bumble, which is like a whole nother thing. I know. That- I feel like we should talk about that because you were so anti dating app for so long. <laughs> But we can I know, discuss that later. I still am. It's it's interesting. We may need to review this that conversation offline because um, he's an avid listener of the podcast. Hey, <laughs> shout out Bumble Guy. No, I'm just kidding. Shout out David Bumble. Spot. I'm sure we'll become um, acquainted at some point. So anyway, I'm getting ready to go out with him. And I was like freaking freezing because even though I kind of love the rainy cold weather, I'm still like adjusting because it's our first cold week out here in Portland. And I was going to like dress cute and wear like a skirt and stuff. And then I said, no, I'm wearing this oversized sweater from Madewell and jeans and like uh, motorcycle boots because I am fucking freezing. Um, And I don't care if I don't, you know, look sexy, whatever. So I'm getting ready to go out and my cousin's partner had made this delicious gluten-free biscuit situation. Mm. And even though I'm like not usually into gluten-free, this man is like a genius with the gluten-free. So I was like, yes, I'd love to have a piece of your biscuit. So I'm like eating it 
and sitting on the floor playing with the dog, which is not smart. And the dog jumps on me and I get butter like all over my sweater. And I was like, well, I could go change this sweater or I could just really quickly wipe off the butter with a paper towel and then go on. It smelled great. (laughs) And that's what I did. And I was like, that's pretty trashy. Like, not only would I not make even a small effort with my appearance, but I went on this date covered in butter and dog <laughs> So I felt pretty trashy about that, but it was a very nice date. So That's fine. <laughs> it did not affect the overall outcome. Love it. That's good. Yeah. What about you, Alana? Any uh, millennial yeah. moments come to mind? Yeah. So I actually have two. So the first one, which we talked about earlier, I went to a Peter Krause of Bachelor fame. Is that workout. how you say his name? Krause? Yeah. So his Instagram handle is Krause, Peter Krause WI. Okay. Yeah. I thought that's what his last name was, but it's Wisconsin. It's, it's for Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is like really funny because people think that's his last name, yeah. like Krause Wee, but it's, it's not. <laughs> um, so I went to that workout last night, which was filled with millennials, and I felt very um, fangirly there, um, which I guess I am. But And then also earlier this week, I went to a Niall Horan of <gasps> One Direction fame concert, nice. and I got trashed. <laughs> Which so I don't dreamy. drink. I don't drink that much, so it was funny. <laughs> I love it. That's an excellent millennial moment. Thank you. Um, some campfire topics. Yeah. Um, I would like to start, please. Because yes, go for it. Sorry, I got really excited. So basically, I kind of wanted to do a follow up to my campfire topic from last week, which um, or from when the Dino and Rob episode. Um, and when we spoke with the slobs of Slob Nation, we talked about sugar babies and sugar mm. daddy and that mm. whole <laughs> So I found this, you know, really interesting. And it was a little clickbaity, but it was in Marie Claire. So I forgave it. Oh, for that's being fine. That's a legitimate um, Anyway, this woman who was writing anonymously or just by her initials, which are weirdly my initials, but I promise it's not me because <laughs> I'm Um, But she said, I got a sugar daddy to pay for grad school. I never expected to fall for him. So I was just really interested in that because it it talks about it um, in kind of the articles we talked about last week. We really didn't get into like the personal dynamics of it. You know, we kind of talked about the transactional dynamics. So um, I just thought it was a really interesting article. But what annoyed me, and then this is maybe something Alana can, as someone who works in the media um, and I'm sure writes a lot of headlines, mm-hmm. you know, what I wanted this article to be about when I clicked on it was like, oh, my God, and then they got married. But basically what the article was about was that she was um, dating this man who was 55 and she's like in her 20s, I guess, Um and they had a really lovely summer together or whatever. And then he basically paid her her monthly uh, allowance and said, I'm so sorry. I have prostate cancer. It's come back. Um, I can't, you know, do this anymore, but I've had a lovely time with you. And then talks about kind of her feelings when he comes, you know, that she kind of really finds that she cares for this man. But then she just like goes on with her life. Um, so why couldn't they have had a headline that yeah they should have picked a better topic yeah wait so was the headline (laughs) i fell for my sugar daddy yeah pretty much yeah Hmm. well yeah i I get it it's true like she did fall for him but it's not like the fairy tale ending um let me clarify i get the headline not falling for your sugar daddy yeah Um, yeah, I mean, an example, I've had articles that I've written where the headlines get changed by the editor, and that just happens. I mean, I know you wanted to talk about a Teen Vogue article, which we can talk about later, but the headline that's used currently was not my words. Interesting. Um, And the angle of the headline is not something I really wanted to Mm -hmm. explore. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very cool. Love that hot topic. Shay just pinged me the article so we can link it to the website. This reminds me, it doesn't, um, it's not about sugar daddies and sugar babies, but there was an article recently, I think it was The Guardian, the UK version, and it was like, I was catfished, but I ended up falling in love with the guy who was... It was in The Atlantic. The The Atlantic, yeah. yeah. It was so good. My mom sent it to me, actually. That was a great article. I was so happy. (laughs) Yeah. I love Catfish, the TV show, too. It's 
the best. Uh-huh. I actually get so nervous when I'm talking to people on dating apps that they're not real. I straight up asked a guy, are you catfishing me or are you real? <laughs> and he said, yeah. <laughs> Shout oh out to God. the guy on Bumble Shay's dating. I hope you're not a catfish. <laughs> well, you guys have met a person, so he's definitely Yeah, I mean, so far, he does not seem like a catfish. He seems to check out. But, Excellent. you know, who knows? That's good. Who knows? So. <laughs> awesome. Well, for my campfire topic, this is a submission from a listener and he donated to our Patreon and I texted him being like, thanks for donating to the Patreon. You're so great. So shout out if you're a Patreon subscriber. Um, We tend to give you guys a little bit more uh, special perks for talking about hot topics and stuff. But he sent this to me and I thought it was so funny. So we're going to talk about it. Here's a hot topic. It's come to my attention that not everyone likes Mambo number five. In fact, some people hate it. I noticed this in an episode of Nathan For You when they played it in a taxi to intentionally annoy passengers. I rate it as my number four in greatest songs of all time. How long has Mambo number five hatred been a thing? And why can't people appreciate the number four greatest song of all time? I expect an in-depth analysis. Oh my god. Wait, is it the number four greatest song of all time by his estimation? Or, like, is that an actual statistic? No, by his estimation. He thinks it's the (laughs) number four greatest song. And I asked him what he thought the number one song was. And it's something called Blue Effect, which I'm not going to sing it because I'm going to butcher it. But it's definitely a song that you've heard. I'll send it to both of you guys after this. Okay, nice. But it's not the best song of all time. Just looking up right now, just because, you know, why not? Um, the history of Mambo Number no. 5 via <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, Mambo Number no. 5 is a Mambo and Jive dance song originally <laughs> recorded and composed by Cuban Damaso Perez Prado in 1949. This is not the same one. Yes, it is. The song's popularity was renewed by German artist Lou Vega's sampling and vocal version of the original, released under the same name on Vega's 1999 debut album, A Little Bit of Mambo. So. I mean, I think it's good, and I've talked to people about it, and they're like, yeah, if you're, like, at the club and Mama Number 5 comes on, like, you're going to jam to it. I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's, but it's, it's not a song cool. I would, like, put on and just listen to. Like, I'm yeah. at home. I don't know. Maybe yeah. some people do. But I definitely don't think it's, like, super annoying. Hmm. Yeah. No, and but I think it's, like, all those songs um, that are really popular you know, like the Macarena and I don't know, Mbop and stuff like that. That people like they get annoying because they're overpaid and catchy, you know, and they're not really doing anything exciting, but they are catchy. So. But they dance. <laughs> and they have a dance attached to them, which is yes. very exciting. Yeah. So I think we're all pretty pro number five. I don't think anyone thinks it's the number four greatest song of all time, no. though. No. No. That's where all. I break from this listener's assessment (laughs) so i don't know about that but i just thought it was really funny i was like i haven't seen that episode of dathan for you but i don't watch it is it good it is good it's like this guy i don't know his last name but his name is nathan and he basically does like his big thing is like he'll go into businesses and he'll be like i'll do anything to like make your business better so it's like i'm nathan and i'm here for you is like the premise of the show so like he'll go in and he'll be like He'll do, like, guerrilla marketing campaigns for them. Like, he was the one that did the dumb Starbucks, if you've ever seen that online. Like, he opened a coffee shop, and it had all the same branding as Starbucks, but it said dumb Starbucks, and everything about it was the same as regular Starbucks. Like, that was this guy, so. Nice. um, He's super funny. He does, like, sketch comedy and stuff like that. Nice. Um, Yeah, so that was my hot topic. What about you, Alana? Anything in the news or... Anything zeitgeisty you want to talk about or um I just wanna say props to BuzzFeed for their um Kevin Spacey mm. coverage. Mm-hmm. Um that's an instance good. where journalism is just doing great. Like the fact that this is coming to light and there are consequences because of this reporting, I think is is yeah. great. I was actually in the BuzzFeed offices last night mm-hmm. with um Jen Tonti. Yeah. And we were there at like nine o'clock on a Friday. Like she had to pick, we were out and she had to pick up her phone charger from the office. So she gave me like a tour. Their offices are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like everyone was gone except like their newsroom like everyone was still there and she was like yeah there's people there like all hours of the day like they're always breaking news their long-form journalism is really good yeah i like it people don't realize like they think buzzfeed is all like listicles and stuff no they do good stuff everyone loves the listicles but (laughs) yeah um buzzfeed is just i think they're a great representation of like what media can and should do and and you know post-millennial age and Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was talking, hopefully we can have Jen on and talk about it a little bit more, but she was saying like the conceit of this podcast, like bridging the millennial divide, BuzzFeed is doing that really well because it was founded by older millennials. Like Jonah Peretti Mm -hmm. is an older millennial and it kind of started out as that model, like his concept of what the internet could be and what something going viral is. And now like most of the company is millennials. Mm -hmm but it kind of ranges the gamut. Like they have younger people who are just getting out of college. who would be mm-hmm. like us, like the younger millennials and they still have the old millennial elements, but it's like super trendy and they're trying to get more of that. Like I gen or like mm-hmm. the people that are younger than the millennials. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And they've remained successful doing that with keeping like a consistent brand. So I think they're a prime example of how you can bridge the millennial divide. Totally. In a way. Yeah, I just love when, like, newer media is just showing everyone yeah. else how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, all right. Well, shall we dive into the interview portion? Sure. Of the day. <laughs> um, so outside of Alana just being a great person and being a friend, um, we wanted to first talk to you about, so you've been a writer for a while, like, you were writing in college and stuff, mm-hmm. but you had a piece in Teen Vogue that kind of... I don't know if you would say it like went viral. I don't know what the definition of that is. <laughs> I wouldn't but say that. <laughs> it got it got a lot of press and like, you know, famous people read it and were like retweeting it and stuff. And, um, you know, it was about like a very personal experience. So I was hoping mm-hmm. for we'll link to the article and stuff on the website so people can read it. But um, I guess if you could kind of go through like what um, kind of the catalyst was for that article and Mm -hmm. how it's kind of been since it's been published. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go more into like the headline stuff, I think that'd be super interesting too. Sure. So do you mean like how I got published there or like the actual content? writing the story. Okay. Um, Yeah, and and content too. For our readers or listeners who haven't read it, be nice to have a short synopsis. Sure. So I basically realized that I wasn't straight in like college and I basically came out so to speak I don't know I feel like that term is so weird because it's just so like fluid to me I don't know but basically it was just something that was like part of who I was and I didn't really tell people until senior year of college but I realized sophomore year and basically I didn't really vocalize it to like everyone until right after the election um, because I just felt it was an important time to like be vocal about myself and to show people who felt like I did that you know you could be a queer out person and just be like completely okay with yourself and normal and yeah because I growing up I didn't know anyone who was pansexual I didn't even know that was a thing until like freshman year of college can you define what pansexuality is because I feel like (laughs) We have a lot of listeners like all over the country and especially uh-huh. a lot of like baby boomer listeners who uh-huh. might not know what it is. Sure. Give us a brief. And I'll, can you in that definition talk about how pansexual is different from bisexual? Sure. It is. Yeah, okay. that's a fun thing. Okay, so yes. pansexual <laughs> to me basically is I'm attracted to people like for who they are, not restricted by their gender. So, you know, however you identify like man, woman, non-binary, um, whatever like I don't really feel attraction to one specific gender or two specific genders but just like anyone um so it's not really gender based it's more like their aura and I know this sounds really earthy crunchy but like that's what it is but like bisexuality is like you're attracted to men or women but pansexuality includes like people on the non- binary spectrum and like not necessarily not necessarily so educate um, me so I'm definitely not an expert on the topic but um most people would say that um pansexuality like falls under the bisexuality umbrella so bisexual um traditionally from how it was known it was you were attracted to men and women but now it's more so that like it's your gender quote-unquote and another gender okay um but or your gender and 
a different gender, um, but pansexual being that it's like everyone, it's sort of like under that umbrella. But um, I just like using the term pan because I feel like it describes me more, but I mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot of overlap between bisexuality and pansexuality and uh, people use them kind of interchangeably because of bisexuality just being more recognizable. But um, pansexual, I think, is more specific that people use um, for their own attraction that they feel. That's great. Yeah. So <laughs> going back to the article, so you wrote yeah. an article about your experience kind of coming out as a pansexual person. Yeah. And just like how I got there and... I don't know. I feel like it was interesting growing up not really having that representation. And I felt like Teen Vogue was a really good publication to have this article written in because if I was like 12 or 13, maybe I would have realized I was pan much earlier than I did. And even knowing it was a thing would have been great to know when I was a teen or a younger teen. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I really liked writing that article specifically for Teen Vogue, and I just liked kind of writing the whole experience down. Um, Also, the fact that I was in a relationship with, like, a cisgender guy, straight guy at the time, Mm -hmm. um, while I was kind of discovering all this, just add another layer of um, complication, I guess, because it's, like, confusing to recognize that you feel attraction to other people and not every couple is comfortable like talking about that or even recognizing that um so that was like another thing that like I was struggling with like how to say this to him without hurting his feelings and whatever so I talked about that also in the article which they kind of used as the headline as an attention grabber like I realized I was pansexual while I was in a heterosexual relationship which no because like I'm always pan no matter what relationship I'm in but it was never because you've always been pansexual so Mm -hmm. it was never yeah like a heterosexual relationship maybe it was like heteronormative I think would have been more accurate yeah or just like a maybe a straight seeming relationship like appearing but um yeah that was fun (laughs) but yeah yeah so what go ahead Shay no no I mean I have a comment more than a question I mean I think for me it was really interesting reading this because I don't you know certainly when I was in college again this was just 10 years ago but we are just starting to people you know people were out as gay or bi Mm -hmm. which was a big thing in and of itself so it was really interesting just to read it from that perspective because I you know when I tend to feel quote-unquote old I'm I get really overwhelmed by all of these ways that people can identify Mm -hmm. now and I I don't mean that in like a I feel like when I say that, it sounds like I'm really homophobic or like I have a problem with it, which I literally could not have less of a problem. I'm like, you do you, and I Mm -hmm. support that a thousand percent. Um, But I think it's a lot for, let's say, people who are maybe ancient millennial and older to sometimes wrap their head around. And I know it gets even, and I feel like I'm a person who I can understand it um, logically and I can understand it intellectually but sometimes I have a hard time I guess digging in emotionally I just, I, I don't even think emotionally is the right word mm-hmm. but um like understanding it um completely yeah. no um, I, f- I feel a lot of I've gotten that feedback from a lot of people who yeah like even people that are like younger than me or my age like they just like don't get it and I'm kind of just like it's just how I feel yeah. like I don't really but Exactly. And well, and what I was going to say, what I really loved about your article, it was the first thing that I'd read where I finally was like, not like, oh, I suddenly get it and the light bulb went on. But I really started to understand that process Mm -hmm. of, you know, come, you know, as you said, quote unquote, coming out and identifying in this way. But also it made me reevaluate not only my own relationships with both men and women and um, other it. So I, I don't know. That was really interesting. It also made me look at relationships that, as someone who studied literature, um, you know, especially in, for example, the Victorian times, you get so many of that, you know, heterosexual quote unquote women who are mm-hmm. having these really intense relationships with other women, and they didn't have a way to identify that or talk about that. And yeah. I think that that's really interesting. And I'm also a person who has had and will continue to have, you know, really intense relationships with women that aren't necessarily sexual, mm-hmm. but are they necessarily just friendships? So it really mm-hmm. made me kind of reevaluate all of those things. So I was really, you know, excited to 
have that kind of jumping off point for that really very inarticulately explained thought process. <laughs> no, you're but, fine. I mean, like yeah. even adding on to that with the millions of ways to identify yourself, like I identify myself as pansexual, but there are also even further ways to describe your attractions, like sexual, romantic, like you can be um, het romantic and bisexual, which would mean that you have like attraction to a different gender, but um, a or a romantic attraction to a different gender, but a romantic attraction to like your same gender. But I don't really use that um, labeling. But there's even like ways to get more specific, so mm-hmm. people could be like biromantic or things like that. But I just say I'm pan because I'm just like if it happens, it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. keeps the door no, open I mean, exactly. And I think to Shay's point too. And to what you were talking about earlier, Alana, about not having that representation, Mm -hmm. I think part of why people have trouble understanding these kind of newer terms or ways of identifying is because there aren't enough first person accounts. Mm -hmm. Like you can read about what the definition of pansexual is. Mm -hmm. You can Google it and you can read like all the definitions and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to resonate for you unless you're like oh, I'm reading an article from the first person about, like, this is where it began for me. This is where I'm at now. Totally. This is my truth. Or if you don't know someone like that. And I think your article described this really well, too, that it's, like, people might think of pansexuality as this, like, fringy thing where it's, like, oh, maybe one person out of a million feels this way so I don't really need to pay attention to it but you're like no I was I'm an everyday person and like there are tons of people in the closet who might think like oh straight is the only option or mm-hmm. gay is the only option or bisexual is the only option when yeah. that's really not the case it's whatever you want to feel is the option totally. you know I mean something that I think I struggled with when I was discovering this about myself is because when I was younger the only representation that I saw was like really flamboyant white cis gay men that's like literally mm-hmm. all I saw as LGBT um and I didn't really have many examples of women who were queer um and I thought, you know, you felt differently or you just like knew something inside of you. And it wasn't until I was just like, it's literally just like being attracted to these people. Like that's literally all it is. And mm-hmm. I think it's even super interesting when people are not interesting, but, you know, some people have revelations in their like mid 20s or later, you know, that it literally is just this attraction that you have and it could just happen anytime. It's not really like right. something that. Which is also something interesting, maybe for another discussion. But I think, you know, there are people who know from a very, very young age and there are people who discover much later on. And that's fine, too. Well, I think there's something, you know, again, that you say in your article, I'm going to quote it directly that, again, for me, made me kind of reevaluate relationships. And I wouldn't go so far to say reevaluate my own sexuality, but Mm -hmm. certainly, you know, think about it mm-hmm. is you said what pansexuality means to me is my attraction to people isn't based on their gender which we've established I'm attracted to someone who's ambitious smart dorky and caring I like someone that challenges me and forces me to defend my opinions and mind I like someone I can easily laugh with and someone who will watch Netflix with me and unapologetically love one direction as much as I do yeah. and these characteristics can be found in any gender so that was definitely you know for me this kind of like turning point in reading your article where I was like okay so where is that just describing a friendship and then where does it cross the line into sexuality Mm -hmm. um again because you have intense and this is where I start my mind starts spinning I'm like well what's heteroromantic and what's homoromantic and blah 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 and then I'm like do I even does it even matter do I does it need to be labeled or so I guess for you I guess the question I'm asking is when for you does that just you know friend relationship tip into something romantic is it just that butterfly feeling or is there something more that you yeah well uh, I've never dated I've only been in one serious relationship and that was the one that was like basically all of college and I haven't really like besides that one person I haven't had a friend turn into anything more so I haven't really experienced that where I feel like attraction to a friend but I mean yeah I guess like butterflies is a good term like if like a cute barista like a coffee shop like says she likes my lipstick or something like that and then I'm like oh my god and I get (laughs) these little feelings like I Mm. think that's not necessarily like because she's a woman or because she's pretty it'll just be like a feeling you know I think it's also nice to and kind of the passage that Shay just read that 
if all you're looking for in life is like friendship companionship Mm -hmm. then that's okay like romantic relationship is not the be all end all Mm -hmm. and if what you're looking for not to say that this is you know what you were saying with that passage but Mm -hmm. like if if what makes you fulfilled is like having a really intense friendship with someone and that's like all you're comfortable with then like that's cool too like Mm -hmm. the most meaningful relationship in your life doesn't have to be a romantic relationship it can be a familial relationship or a friendship mm-hmm. yeah Maddie, I, i'm so I'm sorry. oh sorry go, go on for it shay yeah. oh i just say it's really interesting that you say that because i feel like recently i've been thinking about that um probably because of online dating and i'm like i hate it so much and i'm like <laughs> why can't i just like buy a house with my best friend and adopt dogs and babies with her and then go get fucked by someone else you know <laughs> I mean, plenty of people do that. I'm sure you could. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and but so it's just really interesting that we can't, you know, I think. And again, conversations like the one that you started, Alana, open the door for all different kinds of not only relationships, but family structures and Mm -hmm. all of that. So, Oh, definitely. I'm the only out person in my family that I know (laughs) But yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's so interesting because just like going forward and just like life and stuff, you know, if I have like a partner who's like a woman or non-binary, not necessarily a man, like what does that look like in my family? How does that fit in? Yeah, I was going to ask you, how was the coming out process, so to speak, with your family? Yeah, it was good. So I um, told my parents and my sister November 2016 um it went well it's almost a year ago you're yeah. coming up on a year oh yeah congrats I don't remember the exact date <laughs> it was before Thanksgiving time. it was yeah. right before Thanksgiving yeah. yeah um so basically I think my dad's like the most progressive one in the family and he was just like the most like automatically like getting it and I think my sister and my mom it's not that they don't like support me they just don't really get it fully mm-hmm. so it's kind of just like reminding them that I'm you know I'm the same person right. and all that and um I think for my mom, she just really wants me to marry a Jewish guy. So that's like <laughs> you could marry a Jewish girl. I know. So there's Jewish non-binary person, whatever. Ooh, I maybe know. Maybe should set up Alana and Elliot. <gasps> sure, I'm this could be good. Off my made in heaven, actually. Okay, let's. Does he live in New York? Yeah. Okay. He lives yeah. In Brooklyn. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it went well. I think it's just like. I've always been, I hate the term quirky because it's so fucking annoying. Well, it makes you think of like Zoe Deschanel. I know. I hate that. (laughs) I hate that. Um, But I've always been kind of like a space cadet off in my own world. Like I used to tell my my family and friends I was born in Jupiter. Like just really weird. Um, So I think it wasn't really a surprise that there's just like another thing about me that's not quote unquote normal, Um, which I definitely hate that being straight is normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just kind of like another thing where it's like, oh, Alana's just, you know, doing her own thing. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. I think it's nice yeah. that, you know, obviously you have to give people enough time to like come around to it because oh, it totally. is a change. Because but... it took me, you know, 20 years to right. realize. So I think the fact that like it took me that long to know it about myself, I can give them a little bit of flexibility to, you know, get used to the fact that this yeah. is like how I identify now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And one thing I wanted to ask you before we switch topics or if Shay has more questions and comments and stuff, um, you, part of your article was talking about Ruby Rose as an example. And I know she retweeted your article, which is great. I love her. Um, I identify as like a straight person. Mm -hmm. I'm like pretty straight. Mm -hmm. Um, but I watched that show and I was like, Ruby Rose could get it like she propositioned me I probably wouldn't say no are you sure you're straight um yeah well I read your article and I was like I guess I'm not the only one I don't know maybe this is my like coming out podcast no, I'm just kidding. um Maddie is straight except for Ruby Rose right no but I've I liked what you said in your piece and I thought it was really indicative of how a lot of people felt mm-hmm. but I've also seen other pieces where people are like just because you're attracted to Ruby Rose doesn't mean that you're queer like straight women who are attracted to beautiful women like that's not what it truly means to be a lesbian or that's not what it truly means to be gay have you read any of those pieces or felt kind of that backlash at all and what's your response so I saw those pieces and read them before I like when I was kind of like having that attraction to Ruby Rose but not telling anyone yet like Mm -hmm. right after I watched that season and I read all those articles because I was interested in what people are saying um 
And I just think those hurt people in kind of realizing their sexuality by like pushing them back in. Right. Like, we should be celebrating if people are feeling these like emotions or attractions and not like push it away. And I think that is more harmful than good. Yeah. And I think that if, you know, someone who identifies as straight says, oh, I'm attracted to Ruby Rose, maybe they realize that sexuality is much more fluid than they thought. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really like pushing people back into what, um, you know, someone else in the community may say, you have to do this, this, and this to be an official lesbian or, yeah. like, whatever. Like, I hate when I tell people I'm pan and they automatically, like, quiz me with, like, all of the people I've been with. Like, that's not yeah. what it's about. And um, if you feel attraction to someone who you normally would not be attracted to, maybe it's going to cause you, like, right. to reconsider your sexuality and maybe and, that's a good thing, so. And tons of queer people identify as queer but never act on anything other than a traditional, like, straight seeming relationship like lots of people are like in my heart i'm bisexual but they never are with the opposite gender of what they're normally with so but it still counts it's not like they're less of a yeah queer person so i totally agree yeah i hate that but (laughs) i think maddie i'm really glad that you asked that question because i think it's so interesting because i that's one of the things that i always am like struggling to understand but then i get But personally, I can say, like, I feel like I've definitely had crushes on girls, but I would never, like, the idea of having sex with a woman doesn't, like, turn me on. But then when I start thinking, yeah, but then when I start thinking about, like, how would I classify that and what does that mean? Then I just am like, I'm a straight lady. But, you know, I think it's, again, it's really important to have these conversations about how everything is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Like, all the, like, you know whatever it is like 47 different ways that the whoever's in charge of those things now say you can identify Mm -hmm. as sexually like each one of those is a spectrum within and of itself um i wonder if there's a good infographic that describes all probably i'm sure we could find one we can brainstorm i'm sure yeah i mean the thing back to the reviews thing i mean like that was the like concise clear moment where i was like yes so i think if anyone is reading those articles after you know having a crush on ruby rose and that making them be like oh i guess i am straight but i just like this one person like no it could be there Mm -hmm. should be more articles being like if ruby rose was your first crush on a girl like welcome to the queer club like it should be no different from being like oh my first crush was leonardo dicaprio watching titanic or totally and i hope that you know maybe not necessarily like kids because orange is the new black is definitely not like yeah kids kids appropriate but um you know, I hope that there is more mainstream media with like queer representation. So people, so it's normalized. I mean, yeah. there is that like campaign for Elsa to be lesbian. And I was like, yes, like let Elsa be gay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. A hundred percent. Like it shouldn't be something that's weird and like sexualized that many people do. It should just be normal. Like, yeah. I don't know. I agree. <laughs> so um, before we switch into bachelor stuff i just wanted to to touch base on if there's been any other pieces that you've written outside of because i know that piece has been getting the most like press and like hype and whatever but Uh if there's anything else that you've written that you're really proud of that you um wish more people would read that we can promote um and anything you want to touch on about like the publishing process with teen vogue or being a freelance writer that you think are listeners would be interested in sure so i recently wrote a piece for birdie which is a beauty website um and i wrote about how i found my love for makeup and beauty um in high school when i didn't really have a lot of friends and would watch like youtube tutorials and like the gurus were my friends and that was a fun piece because i think a lot of people reduce makeup to being really um what's the word superficial Mm -hmm. and um vapid so i think that a hobby that makes someone happy and feel good should be celebrated and so that's kind of what I wrote about there that's awesome yeah and then your other question oh freelancing like the world of publishing and so how I, that kind of world so is. I freelanced for about three months before I found a full-time job so I was in DC right after graduating college I moved there for a year and I was doing communications work and I didn't like it so I quit moved back to New York and freelanced for three months it's definitely hard. Um, you have to have contacts. You have to network your butt off. And as someone who struggles with, like, just 
going up to people yeah. and talking. <laughs> it's hard. It's <laughs> um, a hard life. Yeah, it's definitely hard, but you have to be aggressive. You can't be lazy. Um, and you just need to, like, cold email a bunch of people and be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. We're the queens of cold emailing for this Camp Adulthood <laughs> podcast. You love it. Cold emailing's great. Yeah. Sometimes you get good things. Sometimes exactly. people are like, yeah, totally. This is a good idea. And sometimes... I made a friend from it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, Shay, do you have any more questions or comments for Alana before we switch um, into no, Bachelor fandom? Switch to Bachelor fandom. Woo! Okay. I think that this is a delightful topic, not only because <laughs> Alana and I love The Bachelor more than most people. So much. But also <laughs> to get Shay's perspective, because I know Shay... I've been watching since the beginning. No. Shay has been watching since... I mean, I've been watching since the beginning, since I was in second grade, so... Oh, I started, I think, J.P. and Ashley season. Okay. Oh. I've seen them in New York. They're really cute. They're kids. I love I didn't that. say hi, because I was across the street, and they were with their children. I didn't want to be creepy, but... I, I saw, saw Charlene them. once. <laughs> yeah. I've seen... We can... We'll get into that later. All anyway, the, say it's interesting. Why am I interesting? Um, but <laughs> the... I think the same millennial divide that exists in other facets of life exists in Bachelor Nation yes. as well. So for those of you that are unaware, which I can't believe you're listening to the podcast if you don't know what The Bachelor is and you know Shay and I, but like, whatever. <laughs> Hopefully uh, we've attracted new listeners that don't know us by this point. Yeah. Um, the Bachelor is a dating show and they also have The Bachelorette, so it's like one male lead and then female contestants or a female lead and male contestants and it's just like a dating show. And in recent years, which this was not the case, I don't know what season was kind of the tipping point, but it used to be, like, if you go back, I think BuzzFeed has a great article about, they went back and watched the first season of The Bachelor, like, recently, and they wrote about it. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, they used to do the rose ceremonies, and the girls would wear, like, turtlenecks, and it was, like, super casual and, like, low-key, which doesn't happen anymore. Um, But... I feel like there was a tipping point around kind of like the second Brad Womack season where it was like the contestants kind of became self-aware of the Bachelor Nation Mm -hmm. and kind of the ecosystem. And like a few seasons after that, they started doing the spinoff shows like Bachelor Pad, Bachelor Mm -hmm. in Paradise. And so it became like, okay, your celebrity, quote unquote, has a life after the show. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, you know, a lot of the contestants, they'll move to New York or L.A. or you know nashville there's a ton of bachelor people there yeah it's like its own scene and they do a lot of like instagram promoting or like um other bachelor there's a lot of like podcasting now or like tv show stuff Mm -hmm. and it's its own sort of industry Mm -hmm. and then now like bachelor in paradise is almost as popular as the show itself Mm -hmm. and i know a lot of people that watch paradise that don't watch the normal seasons interesting and so it's kind of its own world and i um, I just wanted to touch base on that. So for people that are listening who are like, why are you talking about The Bachelor? Like, I think it is relevant because I think The Bachelor has kind of shown the arc from like whenever it started in like 2002, 2003 to now 2017. I think it's been a real representation of how to be kind of like a do-it-yourself media person mm-hmm. as a Bachelor contestant. Oh, totally. And I would even say I noticed that shift personally from when I began watching to I would say maybe Chris Soul's season yeah. is when Instagram became really big and the advertisement on Instagram mm-hmm. became big where the contestants would really start making like make a living off of Instagram ads. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, Shay, you watched the Jillian Harris I love the Jillian Harris season so much. Ed and his limp noodle. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting because when it first came out, I guess I was, I mean, if you were in second grade, I was in high school. And I remember watching it at home. And um, I mean, it was just such a fun, I hate to be like, it was family friendly programming. But it was something that, you know, my... They uh, used to not talk about sex really at all. It was like not... I know, it was (laughs) clean. And, you know, we had definitely you know, myself at like 17 or 18 and then my, you know, mom in her forties and my grandmother in her eighties and my little sister and her, you know, at 12, yeah. we were all watching it and it's it was a great really generational. Yeah, it was a great, show. and we would like laugh about it and it, we just had so much fun, but then there was definitely a shift and I feel like I stopped watching for several years. Um, 
gosh, what was the last season? I can't even remember because you, guys, I used to... you and I watched it together when we lived together. Well, but that was the thing. I hadn't watched it for a couple of years before yeah. you moved in. And then I got back into it when you were there. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. It's really hard. I think, I don't know those early seasons, just the contestants were all so in earnest. And when they're all like, right reasons, like I really I feel like it's Desiree, right? Yeah. Reasons. And now it's just such an industry that I feel like I get a little turned off yeah. by it from times to time. And like, I love kind of like keeping up with what's going on. And I do prefer the bachelorette to the bachelor. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just gets ridiculous. And and I think what's really interesting in some of the recent seasons is they tend to really poke fun at themselves. And I do think Chris Harrison is just, he's a genius. He's a, oh, like, yeah. I love him. He's, incredible host and that's and what I'm auditioning for for on this podcast every week <laughs> yeah Shay yeah, and I yeah, want he, Chris Harrison's job <laughs> slash yeah, career he would be awesome at it um and it's and it's really if you really watch it kind of with almost an academic eye it's really cleverly done and things like where they you know the way Chris hosts and then they bring on these contestants that are just ridiculous and they're all like useless. And instead of like, you know, in the early seasons, it was all like, everyone is like, I'm a dental hygienist. And yeah. They definitely have more like people who are on for the sake of the show, but I think they're even social media managers. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> like Robbie, social media influencer, former swim competitive swimmer turned social media oh influencer. God. Like you're not a real person. Wait, who was that one on Juan Pablo season? I think she was like the free spirit. Yeah. Yeah. She Come dated on. the they, founder of Snapchat. Really? Yeah. Wow. Good for her. That's great. She shouldn't wrap that yeah. up. No, I, t- I agree with all of that. Dog lover. Shay. Yeah, the dog lover. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the show has definitely evolved. And I don't know if we were talking, I think we were talking about this before, if we were talking about it on mic or not. I can't remember. Um, but the workout class you went to with Peter, Peter from yeah. this last season, and you asked him if you want to talk about that, you asked him some questions about like why he didn't want to be the bachelor. And he gave you a very like nice earnest answer that was genuine about why he didn't want to continue with the franchise. Yeah. I mean, I asked, so I, after the class, he was like taking pictures with everyone and I waited in line to take pictures with him and I had a full on photo shoot with him, which was great. They're great. Maybe Alana will let us use them for the camp adulthood social media. They're really great. Um, So basically I just was like, why not? You know, I'm probably never going to speak to him again. So I just, decide to ask him some questions and I did ask him why he didn't do The Bachelor because you make so much money yeah, and, and he was so popular I know like everyone was rooting for him um Shay I don't know if you were a Peter fan but I didn't watch that season oh my god sacrilegious <laughs> no. um, it's okay no. we forgive you were in a, a period of transition you were moving and stuff yeah. so we forgive you you should you should definitely look him up on social media he's a gem What's his name? Peter Krauss, and his handle is Peter Krauss. It's P-E-T-E-R-K-R-A-U-S-W-I for okay. Wisconsin. <laughs> All the best Bachelor right. contestants come out of Wisconsin, Nick. Nick. <laughs> Alana and I are very pro Nick. I have a big, we're looking at it right now, I have a big poster of me with Nick so great. The Bachelor. We are Nick fans, and I feel like that's such a small niche community of people. <laughs> yeah, it's rare. No, he was great. When I met Nick on the street, um, <laughs> it was while the show was still airing, and he his was season? in. It was his season was on TV. It was like the middle of the season, and he was in New York doing press. He was on like Good Morning America and like Jimmy Kimmel or whatever, and it was like right here, like on this block. He was. I left work that day at like 10 o'clock it was so late and I was so pissed off and I was like and I was like it was cold out and I had my hood up and my jacket and I was like I'm so mad I got off the subway and I was like I can't believe I've been at work and I looked so gross and you can see the photo I had like headphones on and like all this stuff and I saw him come out of the restaurant and he was like talking to some people and I did like a double take and I was like oh my fucking that's Nick. And it was a Tuesday. Oh my God. And I had not watched the episode for Monday because I was working so much. And my plan, and I was like, I'm going to go home and take a shower and I'm going to watch The Bachelor by myself and like make myself feel better. And I was like, oh my God, it's Nick. <laughs> and so I kind of like stared at him for a long time. And then he approached me and he was like, would you like a photo? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> would you like a and photo? I love Nick as a person. I've liked him for a long time, but I was never like sexually attracted to him watching oh, him was. on TV. In person, I was like, "You got it. You could have sex with me on the street right now." And I would say yes. Like he's so we should watch together. Yes, we should. Oh my god, we could have this. Could be good. 
we could do some like live tweeting stuff that could be good oh i live tweet so um, hard <laughs> yeah i love it. but um yeah and so it was right during this point of the season where like that was airing was like there was a lot of corinne drama and it was like mm when the severe hatred for her on social media was like coming to a head and he kept her on for like so many she was fun seasons yeah she was fine i'm not like a corinne hater and um it was like the episode i think it was the episode like right when like taylor and corinne Mm -hmm. like i hadn't seen it but it had aired when like corinne and taylor did the two-on-one and i was like oh i'm gonna go home and like watch the episode that you're in and he was like it was not a very good episode. I didn't feel good about it. And I was like, oh, God, should I not watch it now? It was, like, so uncomfortable. I was like, oh, I'm sure you made the right decision. And he was like, I made a lot of bad decisions. Like, he was so sad. And, like, I was like, oh, God, like, do you need a hug? Like, he didn't seem very happy. I was like, are you engaged? Like, I wonder I if he and Vanessa had issues, like, long before. Yeah, it's possible. He just didn't look very happy. Mm-hmm. And I was like you approached me like I was creepily looking at you but like you could have walked away like I was fine creeping yeah. I love Nick it's so funny but anyways long time so anyway, what did Peter say when you asked him why he wouldn't be the bachelor <laughs> right back to that so he basically has been giving this answer on the press he's done generally but he just seems so earnest and like humble and honest about it he basically was saying that like a TV show is not the best way to get engaged and he only wants to get engaged yeah. once. And he, the way he said it, I don't know, maybe I he's believed like, it. Like I watching him it. on the season. I know. Like the way that was the most heartbreaking Shay, you're gonna have to go back and watch it. I'll send you a YouTube video. Just the so eyelashes. Yeah, back and watch it. Yeah. I'll link to it too in the thing. But he like when he and Rachel, the last bachelorette, were breaking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I cried I shed actual tears I was like I'm feeling real human okay. emotion for these people because it was yeah. like so I honestly thought I thought he was gonna come back yeah I did not think that was it and it was he so basically sad. yesterday I was asking him just like random ass questions because mm-hmm. I'm nosy <laughs> as hell and you know why yeah. not um but it definitely sounds like his feelings for Rachel were real yeah. like the way he was talking about her it definitely oh, and okay. I was like it's nice. I know a lot a lot of people talk about how fake this show is, but it's nice to interact yeah. with someone and get that they actually if have read, real feelings. I read Sean Lowe's book and <laughs> he talks about a lot has changed since right. like his season or whatever, but he was like, Yeah, like A, all the leads like know who their top like six are gonna be immediately. Immediately. And so the rest of it obviously is like it's a show. But he yeah. was like, at the end of the day, the producers like they want the real romance there and they're not going to pressure you into like like that late in the show they're like they want it to be like the top people and they want to foster like an actual connection because they want to be able to have the engagement and the wedding and all of that it's in their best interest and so they really try to have like these couples that stay around so like they're not just doing it for like a throwaway season of like oh this is entertaining they want you to care about these people and the only way you do it is like if there's genuine connection. To be Trista and Ryan. Or Trista and Ryan still together. I love them. The firefighter. She's the OG. I love Trista. Caitlin has said some interesting stuff about that. About how she brought Nick to her final two. Because she knew it would be interesting. But honestly, I mean, she may be saying that to like save face for Sean. Right. But it honestly really looked like she yeah. fell deep for both of them. And back to your other point about how you know from night one. Like, I just always think like imagine if you're in a room with like 30 people who are picked for you for a show you're gonna know kind of immediately the like two or three you may be attracted to yeah like even with online dating you know like kind of right away when you meet them yeah so do you guys want to talk a little bit about both of your experiences um auditioning to be on Ben's season of the bachelor well alana's auditioned more than just ben but (laughs) oh okay they like the season when we both did it was ben that was the first Higgins. time, yeah, for both of us. Yeah, the last I haven't for done you. This since then. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I can talk about my experience, and yeah. then you can talk about yours. So I waited in line at the ABC studios, and the woman behind me in line actually worked at the company that I was interning at at the time. So I was like, "That's fucking weird." She was like a full time employee who like worked at the bank that I worked at, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm like looking to change careers, and like if this works out, this would be like a good excuse to like." take a three-month vacation and then like start looking for a new job and I was like yeah totally like that's legitimate um and she was cute and stuff and there were some girls who you could tell like they had like bought a new outfit and like Mm -hmm. got their hair done and like 
did their nails and makeup and stuff. And then there were people like me who were clearly, like, coming from work who, like, had that kind of scene. But it was a really long line. Mm-hmm. And I remember they hadn't announced that it was Ben yet. But we knew. But we kind of knew. But yeah. I was also, I'm a big Ben Z fan. I know he did not have a good showing on the, the last dog. season of Paradise. <laughs> I love the fucking dog, too. It's great. Zeus. Zeus. Um, but I was like, all right, both Bens. Because they always ask you, they're like, who do you want to be the next Bachelor? And I was like, uh-huh. Ben Higgins, Obvi. Uh-huh. And... Um, Ben Z was like my second choice so I talked about that and I had like a great story for why I wanted to date Ben Higgins which you're single now if you're listening to this podcast you're not Yeah. by the way can I shout out that I still want to marry JJ oh yeah the pantsapreneur do you remember the pantsapreneur was he Andy season I don't even know he was either Andy or Caitlin's because it was when we were living together yeah he is the best we should hit him up on social media yeah He's I do follow him. Sorry, Bumble guy. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) No, I'm straight up. Corey gets kind of butthurt about it, which if he's listening, which I don't know if he listens to this. Because I edit the episodes in the apartment and he's like, Well, if I'm listening to it while you're editing it, I don't need to listen to it when it's out, whatever. So whatever. He might hear this. I love you, of course. But you know, Ben Higgins, we could always (laughs) We could always make room for Ben in our lives. In the bunk bed. But at the time, they, I had a, I have a lot in common with Ben because my brother goes to Indiana. Mm. He's like in a frat. So I was like, we have the Indiana connection. I have a lot of family in Boulder. So I was like, if we get married, I could totally move to Denver. You're and both like, from Midwest. I have family. Yeah, like Midwest, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. We were like close enough in age. And so I, like, gave that whole story, and I, and they were like, oh, well, you're, like, 21. Like, are you ready for marriage? And I was like, yeah, totally. Like, tomorrow I could do it. Like, I was so convincing. I hope I become famous one day and ABC, like, releases that tape. Or, like, maybe I can go on Jimmy Kimmel because that's on ABC, and they can play that as, like, the fun aside. Oh, that's, like, my dream. I love it. I love it. Because I looked so gross. It was, like, the middle of the summer. I was so sweaty. Like, yeah, not a lot of makeup. Hot. It was bad. It was Anyways, hot. what has been your experience? What shows did you apply for other than Ben. So I applied for Ben, Nick, and then did I? I applied for three. Who was? Maybe you did like an off. It was Ben, Nick. For Bachelor or Bachelorette? For Bachelor. You can't apply for Bachelorette. They just like pick someone from that season. Oh, okay. Um, no, no, no. But I mean like for a, a Bachelorette season, like to be a contestant. as. Oh, they no. would never do that. Um, but um, no, I applied for three. I forget. Maybe I applied. Who was between Nick and Ben? Was there a person? No, I guess earlier this summer I probably auditioned thinking oh, okay. it would be Peter. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But now it's Ari. Now it's Ari. But yeah, I auditioned three times once in person, twice online. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think dating Nick would have been really hilarious just because we're like 10 years apart and he's like. You're more than 10 years apart. He's like 37. Oh, yeah. Like so we're like. 23, right? Yeah, I'm 22. So yeah, 14. Oh that would be so weird. <laughs> I can't Shay. even. I can't. I, I don't think that would feel normal to me to date no. someone older than me. He had much. so many like 22 year olds on his season, though. I know. We're like Taylor and Corinne were basically our age. This is my major issue with The Bachelor as it is today. I felt like in the early seasons, it was every, you know, everyone was kind of between. 27 and 33 and now all the girls are super young and all the guys are super old and it really bugs me well I think another factor for that may be like um women who are younger may not be as established in their careers so it's kind of easier to just be like oh I'll go on this tv show whereas like if you're older you might be more established yes I don't know it doesn't I don't know, it doesn't feel like I, and this is just a gut feeling, but I think it's because they want girls that are young and pretty and hot. Yeah. And that's definitely part of it. Oh, for yeah, sure. I'm not going to lie. They did a really good application. They're like, how much do you weigh and how much oh. do you anticipate to weigh when the season begins? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I apply, I'm like, well, I'm not a size zero, so they're yeah, probably not going to pick me. And that's the only reason why, not anything yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great, but. Yeah. I don't know. I did, 538 did a great, like, they have a great infographic and, like, statistics about The that. Bachelor. Yeah. 
because there's so much data on the internet about the bachelor franchise because the fans are so into it and they have all these like wiki pages and stuff so there's so mm-hmm. much data of like the age of contestants like if you get the first impression rose there's like a really high likelihood that you're going to win the season hmm. based Gosh. on like what we were talking about before of like the first night people know who they enjoy yeah. r.i.p olivia <laughs> yeah oh my god love her same she's um, great and so they have like all this data and they were like part of the reason why the the female contestants have gotten so much younger and stayed that way whereas the men's ages will fluctuate like they've had ben and then nick like ben was like 26 when he was have the they ever had a 37 year old woman cons- woman no. on the show no they would never no at least not to my knowledge maybe someone can tell also, me also i hope but... nick just keeps coming back <laughs> oh poor nick i love nick. <laughs> but um they were talking about it's because like part of the reason why they surmise just looking at the data obviously they don't know like what the producers are actually thinking but i think this goes to shay your point of like they just want hot girls like hot young girls on the show is because in those early seasons when it was like more of a mix of ages when they would have like a 22 year old but they would also have like 35 year old women like mm-hmm. a lot of the guys the girls that they picked the girls that made it through most of the season were the younger girls and especially, oh, like, like if we remember, like, Emily Maynard, when she was on oh, Brad Momick's season, she won the season. He was, like, 36, and she was, like, 23. Really? Yeah, because when she was she, The Bachelor. I what was that, Shay? But she was a single mom. Yeah, I think she got there. Really she, she was yeah. so loved by, like, yeah. everyone. But I think that more recently, the winners have been more closer in age. Right. Like, Rachel and Brian are both in their yeah. 30s. I know, Brian was... Nick and Vanessa. Older. Yeah. And I think it's all just, like, individual. Like, yeah. some people, like... Some people are the type of guys where it's like, I get older, but the girls stay the same. And then other people are like, no, I want to go through life with a partner. <laughs> That's why I think The Bachelor is, like, the greatest sociological experiment of our time. I know, I say that to everyone, and everyone laughs at me. It's great. <laughs> I love um, it. So, oh, sorry, go on. No, go for it, Shay. I'd say, do you guys have any final Bachelor comments before we move into the archery range? I could legit talk about Bachelor for hours. I know. Maybe if Alana, <laughs> if we watch the new season together, we can do, like, little asides. That could and... be some good Patreon content yeah. for our oh subscribers. This could be good Bachelor, bachelor right. correspondence. I know yeah. you were talking about maybe pitching, like, a Bachelor podcast at oh, some point. I wish. Is that, like, a dream of yours still? It's a dream, but I feel like things are pretty busy right now with my new job. I've been there for three months, and... I'm kind oh, yeah. of thinking of starting like a passion project of writing a novel. So. <gasps> Do it. All right, Shay, shall we move into our archery range? Rapid fire questions? Do it. Yeah, rapid fire questions. Just answer what comes off the top of your head and it just helps to kind of finally cement you as a where you are in the millennial spectrum. We are sure. collecting very organized data on this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite book? Anything by Mindy Kaling. Yeah. Love her. Good. Yeah. Um, favorite movie? Oh my god. Uh, I feel like it's a tie between three way tie, Titanic, High School Musical, School of Rock. That's I just awesome. watched High School Musical with my 12 year old cousin. It was <laughs> a blast from the past. Good old Zephron. Um, favorite childhood cereal? Uh, Frosted Cheerios. Nice. <laughs> um, favorite Bachelor contestant? Charlene. Oh, yes. Hands down. Favorite Bachelor? Mm. Um, probably Nick. Probably mm. Nick, but I feel like Juan Pablo was really entertaining. Oh, yeah. Nick, like, was more entertaining as a contestant on the show than the lead. Yeah. 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 That was very good. Um, favorite place you visited? Mm. Paris. Nice. Yeah. It's cliche, it. but true. Favorite year in elementary school? Um, either fourth or fifth grade. We did a really fun week-long trip to Washington, D.C. in fifth grade. Ooh. Yeah, that was I've fun. never been to D.C., and I love really? politics, and I love history, and I've literally never been. You should okay. go. I want to go. No, it's not so, that far. Yeah, you should just get, like, a megabus or Yeah, because I love it, and all the museums are, like, free or yeah. low cost, and yeah. I'm such a history and politics nerd that I feel like I could just go by myself and, like, do that yeah great. there's good food too yeah go during the spring because the cherry blossoms are so pretty oh, okay well yeah Instagram. <laughs> yeah oh my god doing it for the gram yeah exactly very millennial 
Um, least favorite year of high school? Ooh. Um, 10th grade. I So I, I don't think I mentioned it earlier. I'm from Florida originally. I gr- grew up there, was born there. And then I moved to Philadelphia for 9th and 10th grade. And I had this like phase in 10th grade where I kind of like drifted from my friends from 9th grade. So I ended up actually moving back to Florida for junior and senior year of high school. So 10th grade, not a good time. Not a good time. Yeah. Um, favorite place in New York City? Hmm. That's hard. Um, a specific singular place. Or like a restaurant recommendation or something that you like to do here? Um, I would, I mean, I'm a really big fan of just like walking around for like hours. Like I just love exploring and just walking Um, freshman year all the time. I used to walk from uh, my freshman year dorm on Washington Square Park just to like Times Square at night just for the hell of it or walk around Soho or whatever. So I just like exploring. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I have one last one. Do it. Favorite of One Direction. Louis. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, everyone I tell is always like, <gasps> and I'm like, yeah, Louis, like, appreciate him. He wrote 38 songs of One Direction's albums. Oh, like, Alana, what is, respect. like, the thing between <laughs> Harry and Louis? What do you call yourselves? Larry's. Larry's. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. If you don't know what that is, Google it. <laughs> yeah. Alana and I have spent many hours in the <laughs> Kappa study room. <laughs> When we should have been studying for finals, talking about Larry theories. Oh, the best. Yeah. I don't think I fully, I don't know. I think I'm on the fence. Like, if it turned out to be true, I would believe it. Yeah. If it turned out not to be true, I would also believe it. That was just, but, I mean, not to get in a whole other thing, but yeah. that was, like, another thing that, like, made me feel, like, welcome and supported in yeah. the queer community. Like, Larry from, like, um, like 11th grade of high school to yeah. today. So It's great. <laughs> yeah. Love it. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Alana. Thank this you. has been wonderful. So um, if you want to quick let us know where our listeners can yeah. find you on the internet, that would be awesome. Sure. So my Twitter is Alana Rubin, E-L-A-N-A-R-U-B-I-N. And my Instagram is also Alana Rubin. My website is alanarubin.com. And my Snapchat is Alana Rubin. Um there's a what Jonas Brothers fan fiction account somewhere. Oh my god. Oh my <laughs> Which god. I will not say. Amazing. Love it. Well, yeah. thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. This was so and fun. And just some last minute. I feel like we've done some some changes to Camp Adulthood yeah. and we haven't talked about it. We have a theme song now. It's so good. Everyone should love it. And Daddy th- wrote it. Oh, thanks. Um and thank- It took me a long time, so if you hate it, don't tell me cuz I'll feel <laughs> sad. Um yeah, hopefully no one will hate it. Um, and producer Jenny expertly put some credits together, kind of splicing together the theme song. So that's really fun. Um, I'm not going to go into it now, but all of our social media and the Patreon information and all of that are in the credits and obviously in the description of the podcast and on the website. So visit those Check things, com. Yeah, awesome. All right, campers, friends, have a good Yay. one. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, resident youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adult.